listening to Connection Church's podcast. Good morning, church. Yo, wait, that's what I'm talking about. Just um, <clears throat> got some things on my heart this morning I want to share before we get started in the message. Um, there's nothing, uh, nothing that we do that, that's not in importance. We do a lot of things uh, simple. Sometimes we do a lot of things different than a lot of other places. And, and sometimes you, people don't understand. Why are you doing it this way? Why are we doing it that way? Our focus at Connection Midland is to try to get the gospel to people. To try to share the gospel, to get the good news to people that either, number one, they're so religious they thought they knew Jesus, but in reality they didn't. Or number two, they never really knew him at all. And one focus that's really on my heart is this youth ministry. We, we've been doing it on Sunday nights, and it really wasn't working, so we, we said we're going to try it Wednesday. We're going to go Wednesday nights and, and go that direction. Wednesday night is when it's traditionally when we go to youth. We do youth, and we're trying to reach this younger generation. I don't want our youth to think that they're an afterthought because they're, they're not just an afterthought. They are a part of the ministry, Amen. They're all the future of the church, so we've got to pour into those guys. So if you would, get the word out. Share it on your Facebook page. Share it uh, with your family and friends, and, and let's, start, let's try to just push this youth ministry. Dallas has put a lot of time. We've prayed into it, and, and just, just, if you will, be with us in that. Other thing that's on my heart, too, is uh, it's just when, when we started, when we got ready to plant this church, um, we were, we were going to be totally independent, different, and God kind of partnered, part, part, partnered us uh, with Connection Church. And at the time, it was kind of confusing, didn't understand why, but, but last Sunday, it, it, it kind of just got more clear for me. Last Sunday, we had another campus launch. It was the Dublin campus. And, uh, and we asked, you know, let's go and let's support them. And, and a few of us went, and about 120 people showed up. And one guy gave his life to Christ. It was just a vision meeting. There wasn't a lot of preaching going on. The spirit was so strong there that one guy decided he needed to give, give his life to Christ right then. And let me realize something. That it's not just about us in this church. It's about us as the church in general. We're supposed to be pursuing God everywhere we go and, and trying to support other people. Amen? And that, being a part of Connection Church, having campuses in different locations, I'm not... I'm not just focused on us. I'm focused on the mission of God and seeing what God's doing in other places in Georgia is exciting to me. So I just want you guys to, you know, if you look on Facebook and you see those things, let's celebrate those together because a win for any Connection campus is a win for us. God's using us to, to make an impact in our county. So I just wanted to share that before we got started. Another thing is, for some reason, the last couple of weeks of this series, this is the last, um, the last, message of this Dark Corners series, and some of you are like, thank you, Lord. But this series has been kicking a lot of us in the teeth because it's revealing to us a lot of sin in our life. But what's burdening my heart is it's one thing to know that we're sinful. It's another thing to do something about it. And what breaks my heart is, is I think we come to church and it's okay. We come to church and, and then we leave and we never put those stuff into action and that sin remains in our life. And if the sin remains in our life, then it's constantly just chipping away and it's going to kill us unless we deal with that sin. Amen? We don't do this just for us to 
have a feel-good time and us to see each other and then go home. No, it's to, it's to change, to transform, to, to walk in a way that pleases God so that the world outside can see that we love Jesus and they want some of that. But they're not going to want that if we're not changing, if we're not really just focused on getting the sin out of our life. So today, we're going to be talking about a dark corner. We're going to be trying to shine the light on a dark corner that probably all of us in this room battle from time to time. It's one of those corners where it's called complacency. You know, and in our society right now, it's all about like, find your comfort zone. Find, get, get, if you feel comfortable where you are, then that's where you need to be. Anybody heard of that before? And if you, if you settle for comfort, guess what? You're not going to be advancing. You're not going to be challenged. You're not going to change. You're just going to remain the same. And a lot of times being comfortable will allow you to be less than what you're supposed to be, especially with your walk with God, especially with your walk with God. Our society has painted this picture with all you have to do is, get, is say the sinner's prayer, get baptized, and then you just sit right there and you ride that thing all the way to heaven. There's no changing. And that's wrong. That's wrong. And I know Dallas has been here two, two, two times in a row, but y'all got to talk to me now. We're going to be here a long time. But it, it, so we settle for, for complacency because we want to be comfortable. We, want, we, want, we don't want to be challenged. We don't want to have to make hard decisions. We don't want to be in uncomfortable situations. So we just settle with where we are right now to make us, because it feels good. If that's where you are this morning, then you're in a bad spot because you ain't going to feel good today. Because as I, got, as I prepared this message, I didn't feel good writing it. It's one of those things that it's being complacent. It's killing the church and it's killing Christians. Because people think they're okay with God because they come to church and they may read their Bible occasionally, but yet they have no real desire and drive to serve God. When I read that, that's not what God's Word says, does it? All right, that means none of y'all read your Bible lately. I'll tell you what. The timely message. But complacency is a dark trap that a lot of us fall in. If you will, let's pray before we get started. Father, I just pray, God, that you would move in our hearts. That, God, we wouldn't settle for nothing less than what you want for our lives. We wouldn't settle, Lord, for being comfortable. God, I pray that you would just peel back the scales from our eyes this morning so we can see in areas that we have been okay with less than what you want us to be. Father, I pray that you would just move in our hearts in a powerful way, God. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be okay with being comfortable, Lord. Father, please move in our hearts. God, I ask you to change us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to be in Matthew 25 this morning. And as I began to get this message together, uh, 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 I began to think about football. And, and I guess the reason I think about football is because I was not any good at it at all. I wanted to be, but I wasn't. And the thing is, is the reason I wasn't any good at it is because I didn't put forth the effort to be good at it. I would just show up to practice from time to time. 
And then I would, then I would go, and then the coach wouldn't put me in. And if he, if he put me in, fine. If he didn't put me in, great. Because I had the uniform on, and I was on the football team. And, I, and I, man, the first time that they put me in a game, uh, there was a guy that come running around, and he just plowed me. I forgot my name for about two, two or three quarters. I realized real fast that I need to sit on the bench because that's the safest place to be. I won't get hurt on the bench. Nothing will happen. And that's where so many of us as Christians sit. We sit on the bench because it's easier there. We don't get hurt. We don't have to be challenged. We don't have to change. We don't have to put any work effort into it. We don't have to, to try to do anything different. We can just sit here, and it's okay. And it's not okay. I got thinking about a story uh, about a little boy named Calhoun. If y'all, if y'all ever listen to John Boy and Billy, y'all will remember this story. This little boy that played for the, for the Mud Dogs, and the Mud Dogs were horrible. They had, they had not won a game all year long, all year. Last game of the season, they were down, third quarter. They were down like 60 to nothing. They had nothing to lose. Little boy named Calhoun ain't played all year long. Ain't even put his helmet on. You know, he was good then, don't you? He was sitting there, and they were losing. All of a sudden, they heard a faint cry in the crowd. Give Calhoun the ball. Give Calhoun the ball. He kept going. They kept playing. It got 70 to nothing. The crowd was screaming, give Calhoun the ball. Give Calhoun the ball. The cheerleaders started chanting, give Calhoun the ball. Little Calhoun's sitting there on the bench and looking around. The game keeps going. It gets 80 to nothing. The cheerleaders on the other side start screaming, give Calhoun the ball. The fans start singing, give Calhoun the ball. They keep playing. People start riding by in cars, hauling out the window. Give Calhoun the ball. Little Calhoun's sitting there on the bench, ain't wanting to move. The score keeps going up. There's no way they're going to win. Finally, the coach sends Calhoun in the ball game, and man, it goes crazy. First play, they fake the ball to Calhoun, send it. Go, go to the opposite direction. The coach on the other side is screaming, give Calhoun the ball. Everybody wants Calhoun to have the ball. They, give him, they, they, they huddle up, delay a game. Another huddle, delay a game. And again, and again, and again. Everybody's going crazy, screaming that, give Calhoun the ball. Finally, the, the, the quarterback goes, he stands in the middle of the field, he puts his hands up, and he walks around like this. And there was a hush fell over the crowd, about as quiet as it is in here right now. And the quarterback said, Calhoun says that he don't want the ball. (laughs) And there was all this effort, people trying to encourage Calhoun, but it didn't matter how much they encouraged him, he didn't want the ball. He didn't want to do anything. And that's where my heart has been this week. My heart has been broken for the people that have a spirit of Calhoun in them this morning. Because I want you to be what God wants you to be. I want you to be bold and step out of that scene. I want you to be bold and say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to fulfill the purpose God's put in my life. But a lot of people are just sitting on the bench saying, I don't care how much you scream. I don't care what you want. That This is about me. And the reality ain't about what I want. It's about what God wants for your life. It's what God wants for your life. How many of us have been riding the bench not getting involved in the work God's called us to be. See, complacency 
is the feeling of being satisfied of how things are and not wanting to try to do anything to make it better. Would that describe your walk with God right now? Would that describe your quiet time right now? Would that describe the, how much you're reading your Bible reading right now? Would that describe the, the, the way you serve God right now? You're okay right where you are. You don't want to do anything to make it better. It was crazy as complacency has attacked so many people in all these areas. But the thing is, we keep saying we want to see a move of God. Do you want to see a move of God? Do you want to see a move of God? Do you really want to see your family transformed and following Jesus Christ? Do you really want, do you really want that? We say we really want that, but yet we won't take those steps in our own life. Revival starts with us before it's going to pour into anybody else. God's got to revive our hearts, amen? Before anybody else is going to change. And it's crazy to me, it's because we fall into this complacent trap to where we don't want to make the changes necessary to pursue God the way he has commanded us to pursue him. Complacency is only broken off in our lives by effort. And that's the thing of, in God's word when it says take every thought captive. If there's things in our life that doesn't please God, that means we have to submit to God and shun those things, amen? But it takes intentionality. It takes desire. You have to want to do it. If I had to guard myself, when there's things that I know don't please God, I could just go with the flow or I could stand my ground. One of the biggest things, I didn't share the gospel at work because why? I was scared what people were going to think of me. Because it was about me. That's why so many people aren't sharing the gospel, aren't telling people what God's done in their life because they're afraid what they're going to look, how people are going to look at them. It's uncomfortable in that moment. Serving God is uncomfortable. It's not always easy. If you signed up for something easy, then guess what? You were misinformed. It's hard. It takes intentionality, but it's worth it, amen? Some of the characteristics I think of a, of a complacent Christian is one is opposite of our cultures here. Somebody that, that, that's complacent, they, they're, the money, their money is all about them. They don't want to give anything. They, they, they just want to keep what's for them. And you know what I've realized? The more I pursue God, the less money I want from me. And that's a hard thing for me to say. So me, Sabrina and I, the last couple of weeks, we've been trying to rework our budget, and we've been arguing about how much money we can get, how much more money we can give. And it used to be the opposite way around. How does that change? Because you got to see God more important than your own life, than what you want. It's the same thing with, with a community. You won't pursue community if your life is complacent, because guess what? You'll make an excuse why you can't go to Connect Group. You'll make an excuse why you can't go. Why, why you shouldn't be involved in the community. You're making excuses why you can't go care for somebody. We blame it on our time. We blame it on all this stuff, but it's really your desire because if you want to do something, you're going to do it, amen? So don't blame it on the time. Don't blame it on your schedule. You just need to say, I don't want to. The thing with reading the Bible, I've heard so many people say, I just hadn't had time to read my Bible. I had, and and I'm going to be honest with you. Until I had pacing, I did not sympathize. I did not sympathize a bit. 
I was like, you lazy. You need to just slow your roll and do something. But now, since I've had pace and I've realized the struggle's real. Amen? We ain't got no sleep. But I had to, there's, there's, there was a couple mornings that I didn't spend time with God and I felt horrible. But it was in that moment God said, how bad do you want me? How bad do you want me? And if I wake up late, my day is not complete until I'm spending time with God. I'm hungry. I'm about to, it's like I'm about to die, like I hadn't ate what I need to eat that day. I just want Jesus. Amen? Do you have that hunger or are you like, you know what, I'll just catch you tomorrow. I'll just catch you tomorrow. And then tomorrow, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you the next day. And then you ain't spent time with God in a week. And you wonder why you have fell into sin. Why you're not pleasing God? Because you're not focusing on the one that can give you life. The one that can surrender that sin in your life. The one that can take this from you. Because you're focused on you, your agenda, and your problems. And all that is complacency. Complacency is going through the motions. You're just going through the motions. You're easily satisfied with, with temporary satisfaction. You know what? I've gave my life to Jesus. Praise the Lord. I'm, just going, I'm, I'm satisfied right here. I'm going to ride this pew until I get to heaven. He's going to give me my wings and my halo, and I'm going to sit on a cloud, and, and I'm just going to look down at everybody else. That's what people think. That ain't heaven, people. When, I go to heaven, when, when God calls me home, I ain't worried about no wings. I ain't worried about no, no, no heart, no cloud. All I want is Jesus. Amen? That's all I want is Jesus. We, we, we're too easily satisfied. We think that it's all about us and, and, and there's no sacrifice. God's word says that there's sacrifice in following him. He says what? Take up your cross and follow me, right? He says you should die to yourself. Anyone who wants to follow me must die. Why? We have to die to what we want, how we want things to happen what we desire in order to please God. If he's our master, if he's, when we're saved, we say that he is our master, right? Right, he's our leader, right? We're following him, right? What happens at work if, you, if your boss says, go do this and you don't want to do it? You get fired. There's a lot of Christians that need to be fired. A lot of Christians need to be fired because we're not doing what God's called us to do and we make excuses, and excuses only work for so long. You show up to work late more than, more than two times, bye. Why do we keep giving God excuses? Why? Complacency is just going through the motions. And it's crazy because with work, we, we'll show up to work when we're sick. We'll show up to work when we're tired. We'll show up to work when we don't even feel like going to work. But let, let, let there be a forecast of rain in, in, in the sky. You know what? I can't go to church today. It might rain. Oh, y'all looking serious because y'all think y'all I'm playing. That's the, that's the truth. We have like a bunch of goats that don't like rain. We ain't going nowhere. We, we want to sit there and, and, and make excuses of why we don't pursue God or why God hadn't done anything in our life. The most excuses I've heard from people that say that the reason that, that their life fell apart, they start putting the focus on everybody else giving all these excuses of why, 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 why. And I ask him, I said, well, how about your relationship with God? Have, have you been reading and studying God's word? Have he been directing you? And it gets silent. How can we expect to live this life out victoriously if we're not spending time with the one that gives us the mission? We're just going through the motions. The next thing is that they try to preserve what you have. 
Like we quickly make a defense on, on, on why we do it. You know, we're never really, you know, I, I did this because of that. I'm, I'm, I'm quickly making a defense of why. I'm not, going to, I'm not doing this because I don't have time. I'm, I'm not doing that because of this. We're always giving excuses. Anybody in here don't give excuses? One of the characteristics that I've seen is that we start, people start out strong and then they fade out. They're okay with immediate success and they're not wanting to keep pursuing, keep going, keep pressing in. You know, I've just gotten saved. I've just given my life to Christ and that's great. You're a baby in Christ. You need to start pressing into God's word and start wanting to more, wanting more of God, wanting more of God, wanting to be more like Christ. Amen? Let's keep pursuing God. I don't want to be this feeble Christian that's constantly making, constantly just doing things that doesn't please God. I should desire him more, amen? I should want to say, God, I want to please you. What do I need to take out of my life that makes you happy with me? Complacency says, you know what? You don't have to do anything. You just sit right there because you've done enough. But when I read God's word, God's, God doesn't say that. We were saved for a purpose. God sent Jesus for a purpose, not so that we could go to heaven, but so that we can follow Christ, so that we could become more in the character of Jesus. Amen? Salvation was not for us. It was for him. So that when we pursue God wholeheartedly, man, we, we accomplish the mission God's called us to be. We won't be what God's called us to be without kicking complacency out of our life. I'll be honest with you. I was happy right where I was at at Elam Baptist Church. The associate pastor, all I had to do was come and help the service and do certain things, and I was fine with that. I was fine with that. When God called me out to plant this church, I had to make a decision. Do I want to stay happy or do I want to honor God? And it's been a tough road. It's been a hard road, but it's been worth it. I've seen God move in ways this past year and a half that I would have never have seen still sitting on the sidelines. And the reason you hadn't seen God move in your life because you're still on the sidelines, you need to get in the game. You need to get out there and start doing something for the kingdom. Start putting God's work, applying it to your life and saying, God, I want you more than I want this sin. I don't know why God, I don't know why I hadn't experienced God, but, but then you turn around and you slandering somebody else. You slamming these people around you. You hold bitterness in your heart and you wonder why you're not, you're not growing in Christ because God's already told you to remove that bitterness. And the thing is, you love the bitterness more than you love Jesus. And that's what complacency does. It tries to blind us with things of saying, it's okay because this makes you feel, oh, this makes you feel good. And that's not the case with complacency. In Matthew 25, when I look at this parable, I'll tell you what, let me read it, then we'll go through 25, verse 14. He says, again, he's talking about the coming of Jesus. He's talking about the coming of when Jesus returns. He says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. The one he gave five bags of gold to another two bags and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one 
with two bags of gold gained two more. The man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of the servants returned and settled the accounts with him. The man who had received five bags of gold brought out five more. He says, Master, he said, you've entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have put in charge, you were put in charge of many, I'm sorry, you've been, you've been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Verse 22, the man who had two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. And the master replied the same. Verse 24 says, the man who had been received one bag of gold came. He said, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you did not sow and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew I harvested where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has been given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and thrown and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I know I read a lot of scripture there, but I want you to understand this parable that Jesus is telling his disciples here. He's pretty much telling them, as you look at this, he's telling his followers something important. There's two types of followers here. There's two types of servants. One is devoted. One is devoted to him, and the other one is non-committed and it's complacent. You notice what he's judged on here? He's not judged on what he did. He's judged on what he didn't do. I remember I came home from I came home one day and Sabrina was mad at me about something. I couldn't figure out what it was. It's like, man, I, I mean, I've done this, I've called her, I've done all these different things. What have I done wrong? It was early in my marriage, so she was in that place to where, you know, she didn't want to talk about it. And I'm a talker. I'm like, let's get this thing figured out. Can y'all sympathize with me? There we go. So we was going through that, and I was like, baby, baby, what did I do? What did I do? And finally she got so mad, she said, it ain't what you did. I was like, okay. Well, what's wrong? She said, it's what you didn't do. And she just blew my mind because I was like, well, what didn't I do? How many of us? God's told us to do something, and we hadn't done it. God's told us to take our next step, and we hadn't done it. God's called you to do something just extraordinary, and you won't do it. See, the thing here, I want you to understand and realize that this servant was complacent for four reasons. Number one, that he didn't understand the opportunity that he'd been given. Number two, that he didn't really know his master. Number three, he was afraid of failure. And number four, he didn't understand the sacrifice that his master had given. See, when you read 14 and 16 again, it says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey 
who had called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To the other, he gave two. And to the other, he gave one. Each according to his ability. So that's important right there. God's not going to call you to something that you're not equipped for. God's calling you to what you're equipped for, each to your ability. I'm tired of people saying, well, I don't know what I need to do for God. Are you asking God? Because when I asked, he told me. And everybody that I know that asked God, guess what? He's told them. The problem is you're not asking. See, the thing is, he didn't really understand the opportunity that had been given to him. See, I want you to put this in perspective here. The 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 gold that was given, it was a talent. And a talent was worth about 6,000 denarii in that time. So compared to, to modern day stuff, that was about $300,000. In that day, it would take a man working 20 years to earn that much. And he gave him five times. He entrusted him with a lot. He gave him a lot. And what's crazy is that in this parable, the talents that distributed accordingly to the, how the master evaluated their abilities. So that's the thing. God has entrusted all of us with a lot. God's entrusted all of us with something special that, we, that he's called us to do that nobody else is equipped to doing, a special work. But the thing is, are we going to take that deposit that he's put in our life and put it to work for the kingdom? Or are we going to sit on it? See, I don't think we understand the great responsibility that we have as Christians. We weren't saved just so we could go to heaven. We were saved so we could point everybody else to Jesus. God says we are to proclaim the excellencies of him. Paul says in, 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 uh, in some of his letters, I can't remember the right one, but he says we're supposed to proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So those of us that have been called out of darkness, those that have been saved and were truly following Christ, our responsibility is to point other people to Jesus. How can we point people to Jesus when we're not living it? We're not activating this word in our life. When we're not pursuing it. You can't tell somebody about Jesus with your mouth shut. We've got to tell people. We've got to live it out so that people know. The only way that we as a church, is, is, is connection building, are going to accomplish the goal God's called us is if all of us are activating what God's given us. And we're doing that. We're pursuing him so that the world can see a difference in our life. That's the only way. Do you want that? Because you just said that you wanted to reach your friends and family for the gospel. So you understand what God has given you. Verses 16 and 18 goes on and it talks about how, how, they, how the man that received five bags, he went to work at once. He understood the responsibility and he was like, I'm going to work right now. I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to give you an excuse. I'm going right now. And the other guy, the disobedient servant, he had that money and he was so overwhelmed by it that instead of putting it to work, he just dug a hole and he sat on it. I'm not going to do anything with it. How many of you have been just sitting on it? You're giving excuses of why you're not serving. You're giving excuses why you don't want to get in community. You're giving excuses why you're not telling people about Christ. You're giving excuses why you're not reading the Bible. Jesus is saying he's tired of your excuses. And he wants you to serve him and give him your life. This is more important than anything. 
If we believe that Jesus Christ lived, died, buried, and was resurrected, and he gives us eternal life, then why don't we follow him? Y'all looking at me like I'm mad at you. I'm not mad at you. I'm just trying to get the point across. Guys, I love you. I want all of you to be pursuing God so that at the end of your life, you can hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. But we're not going to hear that by being consumed by this life and saying, you know what? I just didn't have time, God. I didn't have time for you. We're not going to hear those words. You know, I thought, I, you know, I was going to make that decision to follow Jesus, but you know what? I never got around to it. I want you guys to get this. See, the thing in verse 19, it says, after a long time, after a long time, he, he came back. And when he came back, he found some servants that were doing what he should be doing and some servants that were doing nothing. Where's he going to find you when your day is, is doing? Where's he going to find you? My buddy, it just passed away, my buddy Matthew. Nobody knew when Matthew's time was up. Matthew wrote his wife a note on a napkin in red ink. And it says, I'm sorry that I'm, I'm disturbing you, I'm, I'm worrying you but I feel like I am supposed to go help somebody. And he underlined supposed and he went out in this hurricane and a tree fell and it killed him. We don't know when our day is, but God found my buddy Matthew faithful. God found Matthew faithful. Would he have found you faithful if you had been in that truck instead of him? That's the problem. We always keep putting it off. It's tomorrow. That's not me. But in reality, it could be. None of us are granted tomorrow. Is he going to find you faithful? What has he called you individually to do? What has God called you to do? If you don't know, you need to ask him. God, what do you want me to do for the kingdom? Fast on it. Seek God so that you know what he wants you to do so you don't miss it. And if you're truly seeking God, you will never miss what he wants to do in your life. What's God called us to do as a church? He's called us as the church. We planted this church to reach this county for Jesus Christ, to reach those far from Jesus. I can't do this on my own. And then it takes all of us following Christ together. Amen? And when you sign that covenant and that heart and soul, you are committing your life to following Jesus and the gospel and to being conformed to community and following Christ. Did you really mean that when you signed that covenant saying, I'm heart and soul, I'm all in. I want to pursue God with everything in me. Or did you say, would you think that as you were signing up for a social club? Because we ain't no social club and I ain't going to have no social club. We're going to follow Christ, amen? We're going to pursue God with all we got, amen? You know why? Because our families and our friends depend on it. God planted us here for a reason. And we've got to live up to that, amen? We've got to do that. We've got to take it serious. Verse 25 goes on. It talks about really how he didn't do it because he didn't know, he didn't move on because, I'm sorry, verse 24. He really didn't know his master. Verse 24, he says, then the man who received one bag of gold, he came to the master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man harvesting where you did not sow and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. 
And the master's response was, so if you knew I harvested where I did not sow and gathered where I had not scattered seed, then why didn't you do it? Why didn't you do it? Why didn't you do it? See, you don't understand this, Master. He, gave, he was given excuses. See, and we, we begin to give God excuses. We, we claim that we know our Master, but we're giving God excuses of why we're not serving Him. He's this omniscient, omniscient powerful God. Amen? He's in heaven. He's got all this stuff going on. Why do we think that we can give God excuses and He's going to give us a free pass? This ain't free pass Sunday. Tomorrow ain't going to be free past Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. God's called us to a work. God's called you to a work. Do it. Verse 25, it goes on when he starts giving excuses. He says, so I was afraid and I didn't go out and do what you called me to do. He didn't go because he was afraid. He was afraid. He was afraid to step out. How many of us have allowed fear to stop us from accomplishing what God's called us to do? How many of us allow fear to stop us from sharing the gospel with our neighbors? How many of us have allowed fear to just to really cripple us? See, fear demobilizes us. It stops us in our tracks. It stops us in our tracks. He has all the potential in the world to make an impact, but yet he was so afraid, he just dug a hole and said, I'd rather just do nothing. How many of you have been that way in your life? I want us to understand that in moments like these, when, we, when, we, when, 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 when fear has come over you, you sometimes you got to preach to yourself. Anybody had to preach to yourself before? It's like, hold up, Jeremy. I serve a mighty God. My, my God is a God that, 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 that he just, he's already won the war. Amen? My, my God is a mighty God. He's, I'm more than a conqueror in the name of Jesus. Amen? You got to preach to yourself. You got to say, you got to remember what you've read in God's word and apply it to your life and say, you know what? I'm not going to be afraid of this. Because I'm not of this world. I'm not, I've got a heavenly home. I'm just passing through. This, this don't mean anything right now. What's more important is when I get to heaven. This doesn't matter. We've got to change our focus. We've got to preach to ourselves. We've got to encourage ourselves. Reach out to one another. That's why community is so important. When you're afraid of something, that's, you, you send a text message out to those in your connect group or those that, that, are, that are your accountability partners. You got people praying for you when you're, when you're afraid so you can take that next step and do what you're supposed to do. But we don't do that. Because we do that, we don't do it because we think people are going to judge us or worry about us. We need to do it. We need to, we need to make that step. See, fear stops so many people from slaying sin in their life. They know the lifestyle they're living in is wrong, but they've been living in it so long that it's like, you know what? I, I'm afraid to change. I'm afraid to do something different. I'm afraid, I'm afraid my, I won't have any more friends. I want to assure you something. When you, when you say, you know what, I'd rather have Jesus than this that don't please God, he's going to send you some new friends. When, when, when you're suffering for him, he's going to bring things into your life that's going to, that's going to refocus your direction on him, your, your attention on him. But you've got to choose him first. Stop being afraid. Make the step. Start, start walking toward him. My word, my God, my word. My mind is everywhere. Lord, help me. My God's word says that if you seek me, you will find me. And a lot of the reason why we don't 
pursue him and we don't, we don't find him when we're in fearful times because we're not really seeking him. And the last thing is that the master called him lazy at the end. See, we didn't, and he didn't understand the responsibility he had. See, a lot of times as church, we think we're church members and members have rights. I have a right to do this or a right to do that. In reality, we're not, we're not members, we're owners. God gave us salvation. We, can, we need to own your salvation and say, you know what? I'm responsible to do this. I don't have an option. I'm responsible to God to do these things. I'm responsible to God to shed this sin. If something is coming between me and God, I'm responsible. I can't just sit on the sidelines and say, I don't want to deal with it. You know, I think one of the biggest things is that we've lost what it means to, to, to sacrifice. We, 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 the whole sacrifice thing we've lost. Our perspective needs to change. See, our whole, our whole perspective is looking right here on earth right now. It's all about these 70 to 80 years we're living right now. We're looking at, look, look at this life and this, this is all we're focusing on. We're not focusing on, on eternity. We're not focusing on thousands of years spending with Jesus. We're focused on this little bit of time right here. This don't matter in the scheme of eternity, amen? And when we take our focus and we put it on Christ, we put it on that, saying, you know what? These 70, 80 years, I need to be preparing so that I can be more in the likeness of Christ so that I can enjoy heaven. Everything changes. Your meaning of life changes. What you pursue changes. You don't care who likes you and who don't because you know Jesus does. You don't care about anything else but making sure that you are advancing the kingdom because of God's promise in his word. You see, so many times we've got, we, we, we don't desire to change. We want our perspective to stay the same when we're looking inward instead of outward. And the only thing that makes us start looking outward is for us, is for us to remember. It's time for us to remember the sacrifice God's made. The sacrifice that God's made. You know why people quit? Because they don't have pride in the one they serve. They don't have confidence in the Lord because they've never really trusted him in the first place. They keep on just going through the motions, but they never change. They stay in sin and live a life that's not pleasing to him. Why? Because they don't realize the sacrifice Jesus made. You see that man? That man's Jesus. He's the only one that can give you rest. He's the only one that can save you from your sins. He's the only one that can save your marriage. He's the only one that can change your life. That man, that's the man that God sent to save us, his son. So that if we follow Him, trust Him, obey Him, we will have eternal life. But so many times we won't. We won't make that effort. We won't do those things. We don't realize that He sacrificed everything for us. And it's not going to be easy. You've got to dare to be different. You've got to dare to crawl out on your knees if it takes it to touch the fringe of the garment. Because you know He's worthy and you know He can do it. Is that you this morning? Do you know that? So many don't realize the sacrifice that he made for us. You know, he was ridiculed by the very people he came to save. He was beaten for you. He bled for you. But you reject him. You say, oh no, it wasn't me. I didn't reject him. But yet you reject him when you choose sin over obeying him. You reject him when you make your life all about him. You reject Jesus when you allow fear to run your life. 
You reject Jesus when you choose your ways over his. You see, Jesus is the only one that can give you rest. He's the only one that can save your marriage. He's the only one that can change your life. He knew you before you were born. He chose to go through that because of you. He knew you. He knew it was going to be messy. He knew you was going to be jacked up, but he knew you were worth it. That's why he chose that. That's why he chose to obey God and go through all that. In that moment of pain and agony in his eyes, he was looking and thinking of you. When it was hard, he stayed the course. When it hurt, he endured it. When he wanted to quit, he just kept on going. Why? Because he knew that he was pleasing God, the Father. And you've got to realize that there's a bigger purpose. Just like Jesus, he understood there was a bigger purpose in doing what he was doing. There's a bigger purpose for him dying on the cross and being resurrected. The purpose is for you to live a life pleasing to God. Each day growing more and more in the character of him. He did that for you. That's the sacrifice he paid so that we shouldn't be complacent. His plan is for you to grow in the word of God and to be a disciple as he designed us to be, to influence the world around you to follow him and go make disciples so everybody knows about him. So you got to honor the sacrifice that Jesus made. And when we are complacent, we don't honor the sacrifice Jesus made. When we choose our way over him, we're like Jesus. We spit on him and it's like that was for nothing. He died so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. He went through all that pain for you and me. And when I lose my vision, when I start making excuses, I got to step back and thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me. I got to thank him for what he did. I hope this morning you look back at the sacrifice Christ made for you and you, and you can really think back and say, has my actions glorified God? Has my actions, has the way I've been living and been telling him, I'm so thankful for the sacrifice you've made. You know, I was told from an early age that, uh, that you finish what you start that you don't quit, that you don't compromise. And the problem with our society today is that we get involved in something and then we don't like certain people. We don't like the process it takes to get to the destination. We want to quit. We want to give up. And the problem with that is this, is once you start quitting, you will always do that your whole life. When things start getting tough, you quit, you give up because it's not worth it. Maybe today is the day for you to stop the cycle and say, you know what, God, you are worth it. I'm going to stop quitting and I'm going to start focusing on you. I'm going to stop making excuses today of why I'm not pursuing you and I'm going to start really pursuing you. I'm going to change my schedule. I'm going to change things in my life so that I can pursue you because I am so thankful for the sacrifice you made for me. One of the most sobering things that's ever happened in my life was about two weeks ago. Frustrated by things that was going on. Frustrated by people that I thought loved Christ, but they wasn't showing it. Frustrated. And in that moment, I was crying out to God. And in that moment, God's like, you can't make them love me. Oh, how I wish I could. You have to want to. 
You have to desire Jesus more than anything else. That's what following Jesus is. God didn't send him to go through all that just for you to sit on a pew every week with your hands held down low, maybe singing, maybe not, praising Jesus. Come in here and hear some songs and go home and do it all over again. He didn't die for that. He didn't die to make you feel good about yourself. He died for you to follow him. He died for you to do the work that he's called you to do. What are you going to do with it? Every day we've got a decision to make. Am I going to follow him? Am I going to honor the sacrifice? Or am I going to keep making excuses? Am I going to be okay with where I am? Am I going to be okay? Or am I going to keep hungering and thirsting for more? Where are you this morning? The day you die, is God going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I've entrusted you with much and you've invested much more. Or is he going to look at you and say, get away from me. I never knew you. Because in reality, if you're not pursuing God, then you never were God's. So when you get to the place where you can't quit, I tell you what, when you get to the place where you can quit, you get to the place where you can quit and you can leave, that option is there. You can quit. You can leave. No strength attached. Right then is when you realize how much you're bought in. Right then you realize how much the mission really matters. When you can walk away and there's nothing else, Does Jesus matter? You can walk out of this place and never come back. I'm giving you that option today. You can walk away and never come back. You can go to another church. You can do anything you want to do. But how much does the mission of God mean to you? What's that feeling in your gut right now? Is that feeling saying, okay? Or is it, I don't want that. I want Jesus. I want want my family to be saved. I want my friends to know him then you got a decision to make. Am I going to read complacency in my life today or am I going to continue to live in it? Get rid of complacency is doing something you don't feel like doing. It's motivating yourself even when you don't feel like it. It's acting on obedience. It's when you desire to break complacency in your life. It's, it's difficult. It's hard. But when it's for Jesus, it's worth it. So today's your day to make a decision. Today's your day to make a step. What's your step going to be? Maybe, maybe today you realize that you don't really love Jesus. You don't even know him. You need to follow him. You need to give your life to him. You need to surrender that. Maybe today your first step is salvation. I'm going to be right here in this corner. When the music starts playing, when the band comes up, y'all come and we will pray and we will, we will celebrate salvation in your life. Maybe his next step is being baptized or saying, you know what? I surrendered my life to Christ a while ago, but I've never got my my baptism on the right side of my salvation. If that's what you need to do, maybe you need to come pray and make sure that's what you need to do and then go to our next step table and sign up for that. Maybe your next step is bringing your spouse to this altar this morning and saying, and you guys praying for God to help rid complacency in your marriage so that you can pursue each other and pursue God together. So when people look at your marriage, they say, those people love Jesus because the way they love one another. Maybe you need to come up here and take the step 
or coming back to him because you walked away. Maybe you need to take a step of saying, you know what, I need to start serving God. Whatever that step is this morning, we want to help you do it. Not because we have to, but because we want to. So the decision is yours. The ball's in your court. You can sit on the sideline or you can do something about it. But there's one problem. There's a lot of you in here that's been telling the Holy Spirit no for a while. And the problem with telling the Holy Spirit no is the more you tell him no, the more you build up resistance to it. And eventually, you're going to tell him no so much that one day you're going to want to turn back to him, but yet, you can't. Stop telling him no and tell him yes today. Because you keep telling him no, your heart's going to be so hard that you won't never feel him again. What are you going to do? As the band comes up, I want to pray and you just do business with God. Father, we come to you right now, Lord. God, with a heavy heart this morning, just desiring you to move, Lord, desiring you to change hearts so much, God. Lord, I confess right now that, that God, there's been often times where I've wanted to quit. Lord, there's been often times where I've allowed the voices from the outside to be louder than the voices from the inside, God. There's been so many times that I have not done what you've called me to do because of fear of man. And God, I'm sorry. And I thank you for being patient with me. And God, I pray that, Lord, there's people right here today, Lord, they have been telling you no. They've been scared to step out. They've been fearful of doing what you've called them to do. They've been fearful of of making that right decision to walk in obedience to you instead of living in sin that know they don't please you. God, I pray right now, God, that you would just chip away the heart. God, break their heart this morning. Break all of us, God. Lord, I want to see you. I want to be able to spend eternity in your presence, God. Move in our hearts, Lord. Just, God, remove the excuses this morning. Help us, God, take the steps that you're calling us to take this morning in obedience to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.